Hey everyone, it's Eves. Just wanted to let you know that you'll be hearing an episode from me and an episode from Tracy V. Wilson today. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's December 1st. Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat to a white passenger on a segregated bus in Montgomery, Alabama on this day in 1955. There are a lot of misconceptions about this. One is that Rosa Parks was just really tired from a long day of work and she just wanted to get home and this was sort of something that caught her up in the civil rights movement. But Rosa Parks had been an activist for many years before that day on the bus. She had joined the NAACP in 1943. She went to leadership conferences and annual meetings. She chaired committees. She gave addresses at these meetings and conferences. She documented crimes and discrimination against Black Americans, and she investigated the sexual assaults and rapes of Black women. Another big misconception is that she was the first person to refuse to give up her seat to a white passenger on a segregated bus in Montgomery, and that's not true either. A lot of people had done the same in the years leading up to this, including a young woman named Claudette Colvin. This wasn't even the first time that Rosa Parks had refused to give up her seat. She had been removed by the same driver who was at the wheel that day in 1955. He had removed her from a bus previously. She had said she was never going to ride one of his buses again, and that she would not have gotten on the bus that day if she had realized that he was the one at the wheel. When this happened, though, the NAACP had been on the lookout for a test case that they could take to the courts to try to overturn segregation laws. To do that, they needed a good plaintiff, somebody who would seem respectable and sympathetic to a white judge and the white media. And that's how Rosa Parks became sort of the face of this in a lot of ways. She's the person most famously associated with the bus boycott. She was certainly fierce, but she also had a soft-spoken demeanor. She was married, she had a job, she went to church, she had no criminal record, This was all part of a legal strategy to try to do everything possible to take a winnable case to the courts. The Montgomery bus boycott began as Park's case went to trial. About 90% of Black riders boycotted the bus, and the boycott's leaders went to the city with very clear demands. They wanted courteous treatment on all the buses. They wanted first-come, first-served seating with whites in the front and Blacks in the back, so no more giving up your seat to white passengers. They also wanted Black drivers to be hired for the primarily Black bus routes. This boycott went on for more than a year, during which time Parks and other leaders of it did extensive organizing and campaigning, and this was all at great risk to their own lives. The houses of multiple people who were involved in the boycott were bombed, including the house of Martin Luther King Jr. Ultimately, the case went all the way to the United States Supreme Court, which ultimately issued a written order that the buses be integrated. This was one of the major moments in the civil rights movement in the United States. Rosa Parks and her husband, though, faced extensive harassment and discrimination and threats all during and after the boycott. They later moved away to Detroit with the hope of starting over without all of this harassment. 
But even in Detroit, they had trouble getting work because of their association with the boycott and the civil rights movement. It took Rosa Parks about five years to find steady paying work afterward. She eventually got a job in the office of Representative John Conyers Jr., and she continued working there until she retired. She died on October 24, 2005. You can learn more about her and about the bus boycott in the February 3rd and 5th, 2014 episodes of Stuff You Missed in History Class. Thanks to Casey P. Grimm and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in tomorrow for an influential doctrine. Hello, everyone. I'm Eves. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we take a tiny bite of history every day. The day was December 1st, 1952. The New York Daily News announced Christine Jorgensen's gender confirmation surgery, garnering Jorgensen international fame and making her the first person in the U.S. to become widely known for having the surgery. Jorgensen was born in 1926 to working-class Danish-American parents. After being rejected twice for her small stature, she was finally drafted into the Army in August of 1945. She served as a clerk in New Jersey for a little over a year. She was honorably discharged from the Army, after which point she studied at photography school in New Haven, Connecticut, and enrolled at the Manhattan Medical and Dental Assistant School. From a young age, Jorgensen thought that she was different from boys, and as she got older, she realized that she was attracted to men, but did not feel like she was gay. While she was in California, where she had moved to pursue work in photography and film, she told a couple of her friends that she felt like she, quote, had the emotions of a girl. Jorgensen moved back to the East Coast, and she continued to question her identity. She learned about endocrinologists who were working with hormones in animals and read the book The Male Hormone, and she wondered if hormone treatments were the answer to her feelings. When an endocrinologist rejected her wishes for hormonal treatment and referred her to a psychiatrist, she turned elsewhere. In 1950, at the advice of a friend, Jorgensen traveled to Denmark, where she met with Dr. Christian Hamburger, a specialist in hormonal therapy. Jorgensen underwent experimental estrogen therapy and six operations. She chose the name Christine in honor of her doctor. She wrote to her family, telling them that though her physical appearance had changed, she had not changed as a person. It's not clear how Christine's story got to the press. She might have leaked it herself, it may have been a lab technician, or a family friend might have leaked the story. Either way, on December 1st, 1952, the New York Daily News reported the story of Jorgensen's gender confirmation surgery with the headline, XGI Becomes Blonde Beauty. The article said the following in part, Dr. Eugenie Anderson, U.S. Ambassador to Denmark, was fully aware of what was going on and, at the successful conclusion of the operations, arranged that Christine's records be changed by the Army and the Veterans Administration, and also by the Bureau of Immigration so that the man who went abroad three years ago could be readmitted as a woman. Jorgensen's story brought new conversations about gender identity into the public sphere. She got a lot more press and attention, some positive and some negative. Some said she wasn't a real woman and denounced her gender confirmation surgery. Regardless, she gained celebrity status. 
She had an autobiographical sketch published in American Weekly. She toured as an entertainer, performing in nightclubs and theaters, facing discrimination along the way. She also gave lectures at colleges and wrote an autobiography that was published in 1967. She died of bladder cancer in 1989. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you've seen any good history memes lately, you can send them to us on social media at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Or you can go the old-fashioned route and send us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you same place tomorrow.